Hi teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, your number one resource for innovative online music teaching. In today's episode, I'm interviewing one of our Teach Music Online members, Brooke Schrager. Brooke owns and manages a multi-teacher music studio that's based in Chicago. Her story of going from middle school music teacher to running her own studio to then hiring more than 15 teachers is so inspiring. You are going to absolutely love Brooke's really her sweet personality and her ability to motivate and encourage others who love teaching as well. Before getting to the interview, I want to share a review from one of our fantastic TMO members, Nadra. She said, when the pandemic hit, I seriously thought I would have to stop teaching piano. I had no idea where to start to transition to virtual teaching. Enter Carly and her fabulous program. I was hesitant at first because I am a small studio owner and I wasn't sure it was worth it, but the skills I am learning have benefited me in so many other areas as well. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Nadra, for leaving this review. It made my day. And I love, I just, I love hearing when teachers are seeing such a difference in their studio and in other skills as well, or other areas of their business as well from the Teach Music Online membership. Okay, we are going to dive into this interview with Brooke. I hope you enjoy it. I hope that you write down some takeaways and you're inspired by Brooke's story of creating a multi-teacher music studio. Hi, Brooke. It's so great to have you with me today. How's your day going? (laughs) It's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Oh, it's I have had you on my mind to come as a teacher spotlight interview because there's a lot of unique things about your studio and about your business that so many teachers I know will be interested in and will learn from you. So thank you. (laughs) No problem. I'm so excited. Okay, so I'd love to start out by hearing more about where you're from and your musical training. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up kind of just around music, like most of us probably. My parents always sang. We always had music on in the house, but neither of them really had the opportunity to take music lessons when they were kids. So they really wanted my brother and I to have that opportunity early on. So I have taken piano lessons on and off since first grade. Um, And my teacher always came to my house. And then I was in band and I, you know, I took band through school. Um, And then in high school, I got really more into singing. So I started taking voice lessons at the school. So I was just always kind of a musical kid. Um, And then after high school, you know, all of the, the younger stuff, I went to college and I really was inspired by my high school choir director to become a music teacher. And I thought I wanted to be a high school choir director. That was like my dream job. I wanted the show choir and all of that stuff. Being from the Midwest, that's very big here. So I thought that's what I wanted. I went to, oh, hi, sorry, my it's dog. Okay. Um, I went to Elmhurst College. That's where my teacher went and my voice teacher went. And I just, I, I loved the school. When I went to go visit, it was just the most perfect, loving, warm environment for a small liberal arts school. And it wasn't too far from home. So I got my undergrad in music education with a vocal performance certificate from Elmhurst College. And from there, I got my first teaching job. I was very lucky to get a job right out of school in the district that I student taught in. So it was, I thought it was like my dream job. And it was for a lot of reasons. It was seventh and eighth grade, general music and choir. Um, but I just realized as I got, you know, farther in, I was two years in and I just wasn't so, so happy. And it wasn't because of the teaching. It was just, that wasn't the environment for me. So mm-hmm. I, I was thinking back to when was the time that I was 
really happy in work in just it, what was fulfilling to me. And it was when I was teaching private lessons in college, I had a really great mentor who was an Elmhurst College alum who was looking to hire current students as voice and piano teachers. So I was very fortunate to be hired as a voice and piano teacher as a sophomore in college. And wow. I got that teaching experience then. I just fell in love with it. And when I was thinking of what made me truly happy, it was working with students one-on-one. -on -one. So in my second year of being a public school music teacher, I decided to start taking private students on the side just to see where it went. And I all of a sudden had 10 students um, through word of mouth, and I had a wait list of 20 more. So right after I decided to leave my full-time teaching job, I ended up having a studio of about 20 or 30 students, and the rest is history. <laughs> Was that a hard thing to realize that you had followed this career path of teaching in schools? Like, how, how was that emotionally? Because I, I went through a similar path where I was teaching in a school and thought, I don't know if this is exactly what I want to do. Yeah, I was going to say, you know exactly how it feels. Um, but yeah, it was really, it rocked my world. And I had never been somebody that was like just unhappy in life. I, I just think I... I'm a happy person by nature. And so it was hard for me to not be happy in what I was doing in this career that I thought that I loved and was so passionate about. And I actually considered completely transitioning out of music and out of teaching wow. for a little while. But that also was terrifying and made me so unhappy to think about not having that in my life. So um, yeah, it was, it felt really bizarre, honestly. And a lot of people were very encouraging, but there were definitely some people in my life that were like, you're going to leave a full-time job with benefits and a salary and a pension. And I, I'm sure you had, you know, similar conversations with people, but like my mom, for example, she was so scared for me and she was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. You know, you're, you're going off into this territory that is so unknown. And I just kind of was like this, I'm going to try it. I'm young enough. I was in my early twenties and I'm like, you know what, if it doesn't work, like I'll work at Starbucks. I would rather do that than keep teaching at this school, which is so yeah. terrible. But I mean, that's well, you, know, you get to that point. If you think of the income comparison too, I mean, how quickly did you get to a point where you were making the same, if not more? It, it was <laughs> within a few months, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I think when I was teaching at this charter school in Boston, I was teaching K through eight general music and I had 24 students on the side. I was making more already <laughs> and so I, I just kept thinking in my opinion at that point it was like well it's kind of nice to have both and I wasn't married I didn't have anything else to put my energy towards so it, it was okay but when you realize you can make the switch and then scale something that's that's such a huge such a huge difference from working for somebody else yeah, absolutely. And at my school where I was teaching, the hours were great. It was like 7 to 2.15 and then sometimes even 7 to 1. And I wasn't allowed to have before or after school groups. They That just like wasn't a thing that was allowed in my district, which is why I really wanted to, you know, continue and do private lessons. So I really had the time to do it and yeah. I wasn't married yet either. So it was kind of, like I said, it was perfect timing. Would I, would I do that, you know, as like a married woman and maybe somebody with kids, maybe not, but also I think it is possible. Yes. I really do. So I'm curious, um, you mentioned you had 10 students and then you suddenly had this waiting list. What do you think was one of the reasons why so many were attracted to your studio? Was it your community? Was it how you taught a combination of those things? 
Yeah. So I grew up, like I mentioned earlier, with my piano teacher coming to my house. And it just so happened that in the area that I was teaching in, in the suburbs of Chicago, there aren't a lot of teachers that travel to people's Mm. homes. There are many music schools. And like we have a lot of school of rocks here and those kind of facilities, um, park districts that offer music lessons, things like that. But we don't have a lot of travel teachers in the Chicago suburbs. And I always thought that it made more sense for me to go to people's houses because then the parents could be helping the sibling with homework mm. or cooking dinner. What Like I just, that's what I grew up with. So I thought it was normal. And I think because I was offering kind of a unique service in an area that yeah. didn't have a lot of that, it, it kind of took off very quickly. Um, I'm also really lucky. I live by a lot of my family. So my in, in those first 10 students that I was teaching, three of them were my little cousins. So that was helpful. And, you know, they all go to school with people and and it just became like a word of mouth network from there. Yeah. You know, it's so important to have communities. I think a lot of teachers feel stuck. They can't get new students. And I always say network, 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 find a school, start volunteering somewhere. If you're in a church, make sure everybody in your church knows, make sure your neighbors know. I mean, a lot because a lot of the times it is just knowing that you teach. And a lot of people, if they see that you're confident and that you enjoy what you do, that's instant students. Exactly. It's so true. And I have gotten students in the strangest places. Um, One of my very first students that I contracted out to one of my teachers that works with me was a student, a a daughter of a mom that I met doing like a walking chocolate tour of Chicago. (laughs) We randomly were like in this little group, we were tasting cupcakes together at a bakery, a chocolate tour bakery. And she asked what I did. And I handed her a card. And two years later, she signed her daughter up. Wow. You never know. So (laughs) how long was it that you were teaching on your own and running the studio? Tell me a little bit about the timeline before you started hiring teachers. So for those listening, Brooke has a studio of 15 teachers plus probably that you work with and that or that work with you and you manage them and teach as well yourself. I'd love to hear what sparked that idea and kind of how long it took you to get there. Yeah. So I honestly don't know what sparked the idea. I was just trying to troubleshoot having a wait list that I could not physically teach myself. So, you know, as most of us have, we teach in those after school hours. If you're lucky enough to pair with a school that you can teach during the day, that's so awesome. But that's not everyone. So I was stuck in those 3.30 to 8 p.m. I was even teaching sometimes till 10 for some of my older students. And Mm -hmm. I was really exhausted. That's the truth. Um, that, that plus the fact that I was teaching in all of the suburbs of the, of Chicago, basically, and in the city, I was commuting sometimes 45 minutes in between students just to make their specific, you know, availability work. And while that was fine for me, I don't mind the drive. It wasn't efficient. And I started to talk to people and I, and I had a a wait list of a family of four, which is like gold for us travel teachers because you've got four in one, (laughs) you know, it it really is gold for everybody, right? The multiples are the best. And they were such a sweet family and they were willing to wait because they had heard through a friend of a family that, that I was a great teacher and they really wanted to work with me. And they were on a wait list for like three months. So I I kept talking to this mom throughout the summer and nothing was budging in my schedule. No one was quitting. Nobody was moving. There wasn't anything happening. So my hours were kind of locked and I wasn't willing to teach on the weekends because that was the the only time I was able to spend with my then boyfriend, who's now my husband. But I I started talking to my friend about my problem and she was a couple years younger than me. She was just finishing college and she was like, 
I mean, I'd be interested in teaching private lessons. And that was kind of the moment. I remember I, I like very, very vividly remember waking up in my apartment, like on a Saturday morning. And I was like, Marissa should just teach them. Like, why wouldn't Marissa just do it? She's so interested in it. And she actually was finishing school, but had an offer for a full-time music teaching job. So she didn't want to do like the business side of things Mm -hmm. or the scheduling or like planning recitals. She didn't want to have a big studio. She wanted like two days a week to teach private lessons just to make some extra money to pay off some student loans. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'm already managing my own students. Like I can do that. That's fine. I'll just contract them to you. And my dad, the reason I was, I thought I even thought of that being an option is because my dad owns a construction company a, a contracting maintenance company, basically. And he has independent contractors that come in for their seasonal work. So I was like, mm. oh, she could just be an independent contractor. Like she doesn't even have to be an employee. I was already an LLC at that point because I was yeah. working on my own and it just kind of, it, it magically worked. I, the light bulb went off. And from there I started hiring, I hired my friend Marissa and then I hired my friend Aaron and everybody kind of took on whoever they could near their home. Uh, Cause I didn't want people doing what I was doing and commuting 45 minutes between students. Yes. So, it's not efficient. And from the, the rest of kind of history from there, we started to spread, you know, the more one, I always say, once you have one student in an area, you can have more basically. Yes. So word of mouth started to spread. And I have a really close relationship with the college that I went to and I still do to this day. So I always hire from there. Like that's my starting pool of places of, of people. Whenever I need mm. a new contractor, I always go back to the choir director there and say do you have anybody for me and you know we kind of go from there so wow so it's it's incredible because I think a lot of teachers get to that point where they feel stuck or overwhelmed or overloaded and the thought of hiring feels very foreign and very distant I did a very similar thing when I was expecting my first baby and I knew I would need at least two months where I could hand all of my students to some other teachers so Way earlier in the year, I already had hired a teacher to work with me at this little studio, and it was so easy because I would get these referrals, and we would just fill her schedule, and she loved it because she wasn't having to find. She just had to show up at the studio and teach. I think sometimes we assume maybe someone wouldn't want to do that because why wouldn't they just find their own students? But the truth is there are a lot of teachers or a lot of really talented musicians that want a side income like teaching because it's really enjoyable for them. And they're not maybe not as concerned about scaling a business or making a ton of income, but they then they're still making a good income. I think is still a really good hourly wage for you as a contracted teacher. Absolutely. And that's something that I really strive for too. I want to make sure that if people want to make this their full-time job, but they don't want to be the studio manager that they can. So Mm -hmm. we pay very competitively, um, you know, throughout our area, I always price check and compare and make sure that we are raising rates appropriately so that the teachers can be paid fairly. And, and I I do offer some other benefits too, um, you know, like a family handbook or policies and procedures that they're protected by You don't always Mm. get that or do that when you're teaching on your own. Um, You know, another thing, planning recitals is such a big deal. Like I take that work on myself and sometimes I'll partner with one of our teachers and they can help with the events. But like the thought of doing that on your own sometimes is really limiting and it makes you not want to teach, even if the teaching is the thing you want to do. So yeah, totally. When I had this, when I had my first baby, I had uh, two teachers come in for 
most of my students, I had 45 students, and it was amazing how I felt like I was still getting paid, first of all, and I wasn't even teaching because I was paying them a portion of the lesson, not the entire lesson, and because of the management side. So I remember those light bulb moments too, like, wow, this is something that is really scalable where you can actually duplicate yourself and teach people your systems, teach people how you teach, and teachers should I think all teachers should work towards that especially if they're serious and especially if they are getting a lot of referrals and feel a little bit overwhelmed with time yes exactly and really my goal in the long run is to bring music into as many homes as possible and also to mentor teachers and to make sure that people know that this is an option for them because I didn't necessarily know that and that's why I ended up in the situation I did at the public school not super happy. You know, Mm -hmm. people didn't, there there was no one and no resource when I was in college to say, Hey, it's okay. If you would just want to teach private lessons, like that's fine. You can do that. So I really want to be a mentor for, for those people too. A a benefit I just thought of for your teachers as well is you are the one with the policies and you're kind of the policy person if and the makeup lesson and the cancellation so that the teacher doesn't have to be always the, 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 bad guy right bad guy yeah the the bad news person they can just send that off to to you I like to say like let me play principal you know that's an analogy that makes sense to people like let me play principal if if, you know a family misses a lesson and then they're contacting the teacher to have them make it up just say I'm so sorry you're gonna have to talk to Brooke about our cancellation policy Mm. and I'm happy to handle it that's where my public school teaching background really comes into play you know how it is (laughs) you know dealing with parents is like half the battle sometimes when you're working in a public school setting now so I was very well versed in that working with seventh and eighth graders and all of their drama (laughs) oh my gosh you get so good at communication when you're a public school teacher (laughs) yes So I'd love to talk a little bit about shifting online with the pandemic. I've heard you mention before, you know, it was really rough at first and you lost quite a few students. So tell us about, well, I want to hear, were you, had you taught anything online before? Was it a familiar thing to you? And how did you make that work when you switched over? (laughs) No, no. And I'm going back to something that you said uh, before. It's really about being confident in what you do and the decisions that you're making even if you're not actually confident. Like I'm a really good actress. I just fake it until I make it. And I think that's how I've gotten where I am in this business. Um, In Illinois, like March 13th and 14th, it was a weekend and there was definitely talk of the shutdown and we were still teaching in person up to that point. Um, One of the the girls that works for me is immune compromised. And she had asked like on on Friday the 13th if she could be virtual. And I was like, yeah, why not try it? Like all of her families are so down for it. We had gotten through a really bad winter of cold and flus here in Mm. the States. And her families already knew that she was compromised. So they were totally fine to move in that direction. Um, And once I saw it work for her, I was like, okay. And Sunday came around and Illinois was shutting down and they weren't letting kids back in schools and, and offices were closed. So I called all of our teachers that Sunday and they know if I'm calling them on a Sunday that it's an emergency. So everyone answers. And I said, we're going virtual. We're going to teach all of our lessons through Zoom. We're not closing down for these two weeks. If it doesn't work for people, we will figure it out. But I'm just letting you know, download Zoom, create an account. It's free. This is what we're going to do. And I'm going to send an email out to all of the families and we're going to get everybody on board right now. And that's just what happened. And none Mm -hmm. of us had really ever taught anything virtually. Like I had worked with my brother-in-law just 
randomly on a couple of audition help things via FaceTime, like in 2016, <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> um, and, and I just knew that there were teachers out there doing this full time online. You know, I'm part of a lot of the Facebook groups like Piano Teacher Central and Piano Teachers for Young Students and Beginners. Like there are people that have done this for years and years. And I knew that we could make it work at least for the short term. Um, and it, it went better than I expected, but you know, it's always scary to make a big change like that. And especially when it's not our business model, this was not what we intended. This is not what people signed up for on the teacher side or on the student side. So there was a lot of troubleshooting at first. And I actually shifted all of my students earlier in the day because no one had school. So I moved all of my students away from when the rest of the teachers were teaching and so that I could be tech support and help everybody whenever that was happening. Um, and that worked for a little bit. And then, you know, people got the hang of it. It was okay. Uh, we lost a lot of young students mm. and especially young students where the, both parents were now forced to be working from home and there wasn't yeah. like a nanny or a grandma or anybody that could help. And I, I said this before you and I started recording today. I understand that we are not trying to force anybody into doing this. Um, it doesn't work for everybody. That's just the yeah. truth. And that's why there are different teachers. And um, right now in Illinois, there aren't a lot of people teaching in-person lessons. So we've got a big wait list right now for when we go back to in-person. Mm. But it is what it is. And everyone's being understanding because I, I can't imagine sending teachers into people's homes, you know, nine or ten homes in a day times four yeah. or five days a week. Yeah. It just doesn't seem safe right now. And, and that's just my personal opinion. And mm -hmm. we as an instructor team have continued to have meetings about it. But we're staying virtual for right now. And it's great. And having this community has been so, so helpful. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask how I'm trying to remember how you found the membership and how you were introduced to it. Was it through Facebook or? Yes, I maybe I think, did you are you in? I feel like there's a couple of different groups like a piano teacher central or things like uh -huh. that are piano teachers for coronavirus concerns or something. Yep. You you posted the engagement, the online engagement webinar. The webinar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was what sold me on it because I was really looking for a resource for that. I was burnt out in my own teaching at that point. I think that was like in August. And yeah, yes. I, I was trying to find ways. I hadn't even screen shared with my students at that point. We were, I was holding up books to the screen. Like I had not accepted that this was going to really be as yeah. long-term as it's going to be for us at that point. And right. I was like, I have to change my attitude so that the instructors that work for me feel confident and comfortable too. And I saw that engagement webinar. I was like, this is what we need because I don't want to tell people, you know, you're doing it wrong or you have to learn all of this technology and you made everything so approachable in that webinar and you know seeing that people can do this and it does work for students of all ages and we just have to change our mindset a little bit and use some of the free easy tools like screen yes. share and annotate i mean they changed my life that's the truth so um and i i've heard now from a couple of our instructors that after i said i'm okay doing this and you can do it too they're all doing it now and, and everybody feels more confident. So at that point, I was like, I need to join the membership. This is so helpful. And it really has been a wealth of knowledge. Oh, that's so I'm, I always love hearing that because you come at you're coming at it from a different, totally different perspective than a lot of teachers who are working on their own. And I love I love the message of this can be fun. 
and it can work and it is okay. It's not the end of the world. I've been teaching online for years and it's been working, you know, and and there's lots of teachers I'm still meeting who the pandemic was not the shift for them. It was a shift because they were burnt out from driving or they didn't want to have lose students that were moving away or they were moving cross country and they wanted to keep their studio. And so I think Beyond the current situation, it's so helpful for teachers to know that this is an alternative that they can keep. They don't need to just be doing it right now, but it, it, it can be an amazing solution. Oh, absolutely. And along those same lines, now that we've done this, I actually I update our policies every September. We kind of do like a school year annual thing. And we've put in there that all lessons now are going to be rescheduled unless it's for a holiday or you know, some kind of extended vacation or a, an emergency that we really can't reschedule. But there's no, there's not going to be a thing as, you know, a snow day and we're canceling lessons. It's going to be, mm. hey, guys, the weather is looking iffy today. We're moving lessons online. And awesome. that is going to be a game changer because as independent contractors, as you know, as we all know, as gigging musicians, a lot of us, money is not guaranteed and it is so hard especially in the winters here when gigs are slow in Chicago to not have a reliable income is really hard so it's it's good for everybody to have the option for online it's consistency for yes. the students consistency for the teachers and income it's such a win-win and I am really really trying to find all the silver linings of this pandemic and that is so absolutely yeah. one of them. <laughs> I love that online lessons really do eliminate excuses too uh, and for you guys you travel to students but a lot of teachers that teach from their house they get I mean I remember getting all kinds of excuses they didn't have a ride they were feeling a little under the weather um so-and-so had the car I mean all of that is gone when you have online lessons so that's awesome you're putting that in your policy and that you're adjusting with the changes because some teachers are still they're still waiting it out and I'm just just embrace it just embrace it and use it to your strength yeah, absolutely. It can be used in so many different ways. That's the thing. For us that are typically in-person teachers, this is not going away. Virtual is not yes. going away. So the, the sooner you embrace it, the better. So I would love to hear, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking over my notes actually about the things I wanted to talk about. And I was wondering, are there any drawbacks or for teachers listening who are so inspired by this message of, oh, I, that's my solution, should they, what should they be aware of that are some drawbacks to hiring other teachers in your opinion, or, or maybe some, what's, what's a part of that learning curve that they will ex experience? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a little scary, right? I mean, I didn't go into this as a business person. I have no business training other than the fact that my, both my parents are entrepreneurs, but like they're self-taught entrepreneurs. These are not, we are not business school people, right? So <laughs> a little like the logistics and the legal side of things is a little scary, but hire a lawyer that you trust. Um, go into this as informed as possible. I think having professionals on your side that you trust, that you can ask all of your questions to is really important. Um, an accountant and a lawyer. Those are like, you're going to be your best friends as you're starting this out because you want to make sure you're the correct business entity. You want to make sure you have contracts in place, that you're thinking of things like insurance and liabilities. Um, all of that was very scary and overwhelming. But if you have trusted professionals on your side, and most local music associations will have resources for people that are fairly right. priced and know our industry. I mean, that, that really, really settled all of my fears and my worries. 
Um, and as far as like the interview process and things like that go, I think I've learned over time what the right questions are to ask. So you don't always have to hire your friends or people you know. I've been fortunate to have that. But along the last five years, I've also had people come to me. They just cold email me with their resume. And I have to know, well, I don't know any of their background. I can't just call their band professor and be like, hey, how's so-and-so? So knowing the right questions to ask, um, ask about their communication styles, ask about if they've ever had a difficult student or a how to deal with a difficult parent, because those are situations that they're going to be in without you being there. And unfortunately, I have hired people where I may not have asked those questions or I didn't pay close enough attention to their answers. And we ran into some situations where that were troublesome because of the way they handled themselves. So right. ask as many questions as you would like and almost play devil's advocate with yourself while you're interviewing. Um, mm, that's that's a, really, a, a really big one. And don't ever be afraid to ask your students and their families for feedback. I am still mm. in direct communication with all of our parents. I call to check in after every first lesson, even if I'm not their teacher. I am emailing them. I'm the one working on the scheduling. I'm saying, I hope Jack is doing really well. How is he liking lessons? You know, awesome. I want the parents to know that they can report things to me and that I will take care of them. So that's a, that almost settled my nerves too about like, okay, I know that I have good, good communication skills. Even if something is wrong with what the teacher is doing, I can always fix it with the parent if they know that I'm there and I'm on their side too. So that, and that's how you've really had nice growth. I, my thought was that's how you've had growth. Like you don't, you cannot grow anything without good communication. You, you won't get referrals. You won't have happy students or parents. And hearing you say you're following up with them and you've built in these routines for yourself, that's, that's a huge lesson we can take away is good communication. And I, I still have teachers say, well, I just don't have time to write a monthly newsletter, email parents. And I'm going, what are you spending your time doing? Like, well, yeah. then what are you, what other tasks can we get rid of so you can communicate? Because communication means they're going to stay with you for a while. They're going to trust you. They're going to like you. They're going to feel like they can come to you if there's an issue versus yeah. having a student leave because you never communicated with them and never solved a problem. Exactly. And, it, and I look at, like, I send out a little newsletter with our monthly schedule check-in and that just sending them three or four like little pieces of information about a new student that we hire or, hey, watch your email because we're going to have a Halloween program in a few weeks and things like awesome. that. They feel like we are a community, even though we are so separate right now, even more so than we usually are. Um, and it, I look at it as being proactive versus being mm -hmm. reactive. Like I always want to have proactive communication. So that's awesome. I, I know it's the dreaded text you get from a parent that's like, how is my student doing? And I go, oh my gosh, I haven't been communicating with them or letting them know. And that's always my goal is to not get that text yeah, <laughs> where they're, exactly. where you're reacting. I'd love to exactly. hear what are your, what are the administration tools that you use? Are you a DIY do it yourself with spreadsheets or do you use some software to help you manage your teachers? Yeah, great question. And this is coming up so much lately. I feel like just not only within yes. the membership group, but just in general, I'm seeing it everywhere because people are really trying to streamline. So I am a DIYer. <laughs> um, I am embarrassed to say that up until about a year ago, I had all of our student information on the Notes app on my phone. Um, that was how I figured out the schedule. That's it. how I did it. And, I, and that was for 15 teachers and 250 students. 
which I what? don't recommend doing that. Yes. It, <laughs> I don't know how I did it. I am a naturally organized person. So the system made sense to me. And I guess that's like a little, yeah. you know, hint is if, if like my music staff isn't making sense to you, don't force it, you know, yes. try your best to learn it, but don't force yourself because, or like, you know, Tonara, it's, that's a very black or white thing. People either love it or they really don't like yep. it. It's too much for them. So know what works for you. And so I actually have always used QuickBooks. I did a little data entry for my dad's business and he's always used QuickBooks. So I already knew that system. That was very comfortable for me. Our invoices and our accounting has always gone through QuickBooks. Nice. And actually I hired a new accountant last year and he was talking to me and he's like, yeah, so your bookkeeper, you know, they input everything in QuickBooks. And I was like, I don't have a bookkeeper. bookkeeper. I'm the bookkeeper. Right. And he was so impressed. He's like, most times when business owners try to do their own finances, it looks like a mess. So, he, you know, do what you know and what's comfortable to you. So we are actually Google Suite users. We are Google Sheets, Google Calendar. Yes. Um, and like the teachers and I have a shared calendar. And then we invite the students and their parents to their lessons. Mm -hmm. And we put like their Zoom links in there. All of the information is just there. And then I use Google Sheets as something that we call a master schedule. So that's where the teachers and I have access to the parents' names, the parents' information. The students' lesson day and time is listed in there and on the Google Calendar, just as like a backup. And then we have like their birthday and any allergy information just in their master schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and we use Google Forms for everything else too. So it all kind of works together in that way, mm -hmm. but it's DOI for sure. <laughs> You know, and it totally depends on personality. I think personality and what you enjoy doing. I love spreadsheets as well. I love figuring out time slots and, and you know, managing all of that. But when I found my music staff and then eventually found Fonz, which is what I use now, it just kind of changes changes the how much time you're spending. But for yeah. teachers listening, find a system that really can um, save you time. And that might be your own system, but but taking the time to actually get organized, to have everything laid out is so worth your time. And actually next month in the membership is the whole month is time management. And so a lot of what we'll be focusing on is creating systems for yourself and eliminating things that you don't need to do, which That's awesome. we all do. We all do things that we don't realize like, oh, I was told I need to do that or I thought I did, but eliminating those things can reduce a lot of stress for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to hear, okay, we're just, we're, we're about to wrap up. This has been so fun. And I feel like teachers watching or listening are going to be like, oh, we could, there's so much that we could talk about and, and learn from you. So that I have just a few more questions. The, the, yeah, the first one is what is something that, um, that you love to brag about? Like when you, if you're on an airplane and you're sitting next to someone and telling them about your studio and you really want to impress this person, <laughs> what is something that you love to brag about in your business, either from a, like your teachers or your students in your studio? <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, that's, that is a great question and it's hard to answer. Um, typically when I tell people what I do, I have a hard time explaining what it is. I'm like, I teach private lessons, but I all, I manage the studio that I own that I built. Like You're that, an you owner. Know, kind of awkward <laughs> language, right? So I just, I say like, I'm the founder and studio manager of a music school. We teach private lessons and we have 15 teachers and about 200 students and we teach all over the Chicagoland area. And that alone is typically like an eyebrow raiser. Um, but when I, when I really want to give people, I talk about our community. That's the truth. Like, the instructor team is a family, the, the students and their, you know, families from all over the place across hundreds of miles in Chicago and the surrounding areas. Like when people come together for recitals, 
they remember each other. They recognize each other. And that is so important to me because I think that's such a foundation of music that can be very easily lost mm. when we are in isolation in private lessons in the one-on-one setting. So that's my bragging point that I love. Good. So I love it. And then my last question is what, what are one or two things that you've learned from the pandemic or that, or the last six months in your, either in your business or with teach, whatever it is, what are some things that you hope moving forward, you continue to implement and apply in your studio business? Gosh, I mean, the, it's endless, honestly, that list of things, because I think I've really chosen to look at this as a positive from the beginning. I'm trying to find the silver lining, even on really hard days. Um, virtual lessons are probably the number one thing and making sure that we can have consistency for everyone across the board. Um, we had a big teacher meeting in January. All of us got together at a coffee shop and we went over things that we wanted for the coming year and things like that. And consistency was one of them because we had a lot of students that were only having two lessons a month and no one's making progress at that point. And it was really hard. And, you know, you don't want to have such a long time between lessons, especially with younger students, because they lose it. They really do. So having virtual lessons for consistency is probably the number one benefit from the pandemic and also we have found a way uh, i think a better way to communicate with everybody using google calendar and inviting students Mm. to their lessons there was not really a need for that before because you know on the lesson day and time the teacher just showed up to their house but we've had a lot of students that were forgetting lessons because everyone's you know day and time is messed up right now and we just started inviting students and their families awesome. to the lessons because we wanted the zoom links all in one place at, for yep. you know just ease of communication so easy. but that i think is going to be a big benefit too because and some people might roll their eyes at me for this but we do scheduling on a monthly basis and we allow students to reschedule throughout the month as needed um, so that like, sometimes there's a changing day and time situation yeah. and, and all of that communication, I think is really going to change the organization of the studio going forward. So what's so great about, about, yeah, what's so great about Google calendar too, is I think everyone uses Google. Like so many people have Google calendar on their phone. And what Brooke was just saying for those listening is in Google calendar, you can actually create an event. So if you're, let's say you just made a doctor's appointment for yourself, that's just a regular event in Google calendar. So for students, you just create that but you say it's so-and-so's lesson and you can invite others to be on that appointment so and you can invite several people so you, for Brooke's situation she can invite the teacher and the student and you can put your zoom link in there and when the student clicks yes on their end it adds it to their calendar so it's a really quick way for you to create this appointment with the student and you can make that reoccurring you could if you did a makeup lesson you could just do it once that week or and you can do that for recitals. You can do that for really everything. And with Google, it's free. You can use Google Suite, which has a little more features. But with Google, for the most part, it's free. So that's yeah. a great and it's, takeaway. It's really nice, too, because it's allowed for some of our older elementary, middle school, high school age students to be very independent with their schedules. You know, a lot most of them have their own devices. And so I've invited their email addresses to these calendar events. And then they don't even have to ask their parents for the Zoom link anymore. It's just like we have seven-year-olds that have their own iPad and they manage their own calendar. And they just like click on there. It's great. So bonus selling point. If you want to use that, you can tell parents that you're helping them build independence in their kids. (laughs) So if teachers want to spy on your studio a little bit, can you tell us where to find you on social media and what your website is? (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. So our website is lessonsbybrook.com and Brooke has an E at the end of it for those that spell it multiple ways. I'm actually in the middle of redoing the website right now. So if you look at it today, it may be different from, <laughs> from the future. It's coming soon. It's a, a new rollout through GoDaddy. They changed their website builder. So that's very exciting news for right now. And our social media is uh, Instagram at Lessons by Brooke and Co. And on Facebook, we're Lessons by Brooke and Company. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brooke. This was great. Who is your business coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. I created a virtual course and coaching membership called Teach Music Online that I want to invite you to join me in. With 60 plus videos, online teaching certification, monthly live group sessions, hundreds of hours of recordings, and online forums, you'll know exactly how to create a thriving online business that gives you the flexibility and freedom that I know you deserve. Plus, you'll have the support of hundreds of like-minded teachers along the way. So when you're ready to really take what you're learning on this podcast, the 10X level, then come check out the Teach Music Online membership at teachmusic.online forward slash membership. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have an amazing week and as always, happy teaching.